This is Pandemic Buzz, a place where resilience practitioners gather to listen to insights from crisis management, business continuity, and crisis communications professionals. I'm your host, Devin Sermenis, a managing director at Widow Bryant's, a firm solely dedicated to supporting clients to prepare, respond, and recover from devastating events. Throughout this series, you'll hear from subject matter experts from a variety of industries and geographies. The intent is to share insights and best practices that you can adopt during these unusual times, or at the very minimum, some human elements that will further connect us as we adapt to new routines both at work and at home. Hey, Larry, thanks for joining us today on Pandemic Buzz. Hey, thanks for having me, Devin. Yeah, good to hear your voice again. Can you tell our listeners your full name, title, and what your company does or where your focus is inside the company? Sure. My name is Larry Cristini. I am the head of global crisis management at Facebook. And Facebook is a social media company that includes the Facebook app, Instagram, WhatsApp, Messenger, Oculus, and and Workplace and Portal products. The mission of Facebook is to give people the power to build community and bring the world closer together. Facebook has offices and operations in multiple countries around the world. And as you've witnessed, each region has responded very differently to the pandemic and with wildly differing results. How's Facebook responding to all these regional differences, such as in Germany versus Singapore versus South Africa? Yeah, it's a complex dance around this. Uh, The first step is really analyzing and understanding the local conditions, the government mandates, the abilities of these various countries to respond to the circumstances on the ground, and then understanding what the implications are for our people, our operations, and, and our business. And we're monitoring and tracking this on an ongoing basis, and we've been doing that from the early stages of COVID's inception and spread. And we have a number of indicators that we use to be able to assess the risks and, and make decisions and take actions. Very early on, we developed a set of global guidance on how we would manage and operate in the regions to deal with COVID. And we set that out and sent that out to leadership. But the key is that there's flexibility in that. We need to make sure that we have that global guidance as the baseline, but we allow those that regional leadership and leadership at our sites to adjust that in order to meet local government guidance and mandates. And then also to make sure that they tailor this to any specific local nuance or, or business needs and requirements. So we have sites that have different operations. Some are offices, some are our data centers, some of our offices have labs inside. Some of our, our offices and spaces have critical functions, others don't. So we need to make sure that the, the policy that we put forth globally that is then used at the regional site level can be flexed so that we can manage these other issues. And the focus has always been from the very beginning on our core assets. And that's how we develop this guidance. And those core assets are for, it's our people, our operations, the business, and our relationships. And the key here is that that global guidance that we put forth, the flexibility in the in, that the regions and the sites have is to make sure that they're taking care of those four areas. We're protecting the mission of the company, but we're also protecting those four areas. And obviously, people people is number one. How far out do your COVID-19 response plans extend at this point? And can they be easily adjusted should the pandemic continue to grow or even reach an early conclusion? So we set 
four phases initially to COVID based on the actions that we needed to take. The first phase was around office closures. So making sure that we shut down offices expediently and where necessary based on where the virus was emerging in order to, to again, number one, take care of people and, and keep them safe. The second phase was making that transition to work from home, which is a pretty big step for us of a company of almost 50,000 people, making sure that people could work from home, that we were managing situations where it was challenging for some people to work from home and, and giving our employees support to be able to do that. Number three is around the reopening and, and repopulating of our offices in safe mode. And we have some of that happening now. And then number four, the fourth phase was this business as usual in the new normal. And that's likely post-vaccine that we get to that stage. So when we think about it right now, in the current state that we're in, we're focused on three main timeframes. And that's, again, managing this current situation where the virus is still accelerating in many places. In others, it's stabilizing and, and decelerating. We're also working, number two, the second time frame is working on that reopening planning and re reoccupying offices where it's safe to do so. And that's probably here within the next one to three or four months as we look ahead to doing that. I, I'm not saying we have the expectation that all our offices will be open in three months. Um, that will most definitely not be the case. But as things stabilize in some of these countries and become safer, then we're able to do more of that, that reopening and reoccupying and really thinking about those issues that are going to come up in those next one to three to four months. And then the third time frame that we're working on is what might be coming over the next four to six to eight to 12 months. And that's thinking about our reopening offices and the likely fact that we'll reopen some and they will probably reclose and then probably reopen again. So what are the issues and potential implications of doing that for our people, our operations, the business and our relationships? And then thinking about where markets are opening beyond those initial restricted openings where we can actually loosen a, a bit further. And we're likely to see more varied responses across the governments that in individual countries and, and in some cases in the U.S. and states. And that creates certain third and second and third order effects in those markets that we're then going to have to manage. And then just lastly, dealing with this kind of new environment and, and managing compounding risks. So we had planned a couple months ago for the start of hurricane season. And what do we need to do differently with our planning based on the fact that we may have hurricanes hitting the East Coast within this COVID situation? What does that mean for our plans? What does that mean for our own preparedness and response? So we did that. We also deal with issues here on the West Coast that's coming around wildfire season. So we need to be ready for that. What do we need to adjust those plans? And there's, there's other risks around the world that we're looking at now as well as we progress further into this year and into next year that we're going to need to adjust uh, how we might manage those if those were to happen. If it were to happen again, and I'm saying at this point, 
COVID-19 has kind of washed over the world and has, has disappeared, but something else happens again, like another pandemic or something on this scale of this pandemic, how would Facebook respond differently from how you went through it this time? Everybody moves so quickly at Facebook. Move fast is one of our values. And there's a saying at Facebook that nothing is somebody else's problem. So that's great. It is great for innovation. It is great to move quickly to market. It's great to, to build a business. It's a challenge. It can be a challenge at times with staying aligned in what, what I think from my perspective, I probably underestimated that coming into this situation. So looking back on it, having a little bit more focus on not just staying aligned across different functions and business units, but having more mechanisms in place to manage this. I think that's something that that we would probably look back on and improve a little bit. And we've already already made improvements around that and how we're managing now. The other area from a lessons learned standpoint again, for me, is around developing scenario plans. And we put scenario plans together at the earlier stages of this to say, hey, what's the world? What are the different paths forward that the world may look like over the next three to four to six to 12 months? And I think we could have shared those a little bit more broadly. It's not just for the folks that are dealing with the response in the in the acute stage, uh, but also for others that are shifting their own businesses and and actions based on that. So I think having more folks across the company understand the assumptions that we were working under in these different worlds that we were waiting to see what happens. Are we going to have a fast recovery or a slow recovery? Are we likely to see more infections or less in certain markets or others? I think having having that understood more widely would have been uh, would have been more helpful. So you talked a little bit about uh, lessons learned, and as companies and clients that I work with evaluate these lessons learned and build in a learning loop to improve plans and processes, they also kind of look at strengths at the current time. So what about the current situation is making your company like better or stronger in the long term? I think we've broken down a lot of silos within the company that I don't think we even knew existed because there are just some groups that hadn't worked together before. And I think that's actually been really beneficial. We've got functions that are coordinating that really didn't necessarily need to in the past. And, and they've actually had a number of learnings that go back and, and are a positive benefit for the, for the business overall. So that's something that is definitely going to make us better in the longer term. Another is around just having more attention to self-care and managing stress and burnout. It's something that we, I wouldn't say that that hasn't been a focus at Facebook because managers are very conscious of, of the speed with which we work and what that means for our employees and, um, and to make sure that that everybody's taking care of themselves. Well, in a crisis, we need to do the same. And in a lot of cases, people don't want to admit to that, that, hey, this is our time. This is our moment. We're on it. We'll put in whatever hours we need to do to make sure that we, we get our people and the company in a good position. 
it's just not feasible that we can work 24 hours in a day. So there's been much more awareness around around the burnout related to this. And I mean, we had this culture of stay up all night and doing a hackathon. And and I think people are sort of coming back a little bit to to recognize the that even if you don't feel burned out, your capacity to make decisions is probably impacted as well. There's others here. I think the company overall has a better understanding from a crisis standpoint on the, the need to project ahead and make assumptions about where the situation is going. The company does that from a standpoint of the way that we plan the business. Well, we need to do that in a crisis as well. And human nature oftentimes during a crisis is to kind of sit back and, and wait till you have the facts and then react and make decisions on that. And that's actually the opposite of the way that we operate day to day, where we set budgets and we look ahead and we plan based on those those forecasts. We need to do the same in a crisis. And what's great is that more folks across the company now appreciate that. And uh, that makes much, things much easier from us from a, tr- a training standpoint and getting people in that proactive mode of taking actions now for what might be happening in the future, not just reacting to the the current impacts. As you know, uh, as the global head of crisis management, during times of crisis, one of the first things you look at internally is a social media policy. Can you offer us some tips on defining a corporate social media policy? Sure. Uh, I think think number one is being transparent and being open. From From a crisis management standpoint, that is a core tenet. If there are things going on, you know it's going to get out there in the media and, and, to, and to other stakeholders. So we might as well be transparent about it. That's kind of the baseline that we've always worked off from, from a crisis management standpoint. And I think, but I think overall, this is a, this is a key value and principle of Facebook that we're, we're transparent, we're open. The other, I just say is, is knowing who your, your, key stakeholders are and really thinking about their concerns and their expectations during during a crisis uh, and and thinking about how do how do how do we want them to remember us and and how we responded and how we managed the situation when the crisis is over so thinking about that desired outcome based on what we think their concerns and expectations are and then taking actions, engaging, communicating, and building the messaging to, to get there. And I think from a crisis management standpoint, crisis management starts with management. It's not, it doesn't start with communications. We have to set the right strategy. We need to make the right decisions. We need to decide what actions we're going to take as a, as a company or, or as an organization, and then we need to communicate that. And I think that's just something really important when, when, uh, when dealing with a crisis. Facebook's culture is hyper-collaborative. It uses the voices and ideas of so many in its internal dialogue. In an organization that pretty much is social media, what are the pros and the cons in getting a cohesive message out from leadership? I've been, I've been surprised since I've been here how well this works within the company. And I think the culture and the shared values are so strong here that once once a, a strategy is is put into place, 
the messaging on that aligns pretty quickly because it always goes back to those principles and values of the company. So the the key folks will get in the room and they'll do some wordsmithing around this, but there's not really a lot of back and forth, back and forth, back and forth that I know happens quite often. And again, I think I attribute that to the to the culture and the shared the shared values uh, that are so strong within the company. We also have really incredible tools internally to communicate and share. So we have our workplace platform that we use within Facebook and and we also offer that to to other companies as well. It's essentially kind of an internal Facebook for us. So it's a great way to collaborate and share information pretty quickly. There's a chat function on there. That's been really beneficial for the company and something that we've used, we use on a day-to-day basis and obviously during this crisis as well. One of the challenges around that is that we do have a lot of vehicles and avenues for communications, given the number of channels that we have within that system. And it also means that there's a lot of information flying around, um, which can be a challenge to kind of to kind of manage that and focused around that as well. And that's not any different than than what anyone sees in kind of social media with the amount of information that's there. And, and pretty quickly, you need to come up with a way to manage that for yourself. But we've been, we've really benefited from being able to have these tools internally. And again, on those, that strong culture and shared values that, um, that are so strong throughout the company. This is a two-part question. First part, do you believe that the remote workforce is here to stay and that it's going to be a permanent element of your company? And then the second part to that, if so, what are you doing to improve the remote work experience for your employees? I think it very much is here to stay in the in the near term here. Obviously, there are health benefits to that as we're we're going through this crisis, but over the longer term, Mark has shared publicly that his goal is for us to probably be 50%, have half of our workforce working remotely in the next five to 10 years. And that's really with the aim of just having a more versatile workforce and having more access to talent that are in places where we may not have offices. We've got about, I think about 70 offices around the world or so. And we're not everywhere and talent is all over the place. So allowing folks to work remotely is a huge advantage for us to attract that talent. And to your second question around how are we doing that? uh, How are we improving the remote work experience? We've spent a lot of time giving just tips and tricks to employees or how to work from home and and how to collaborate. And again, we're fortunate that we have a lot of those tools internally that actually makes that a whole lot easier and a culture that's really built around communication and, and communication and bringing people together from a standpoint of when you're not necessarily in the, in the room together. And the company really spent a lot of time in the early stages of the pandemic thinking about How do we make that transition to work from home and how are we supporting our people to be able to do that and do that effectively? And that isn't just about having the right equipment and set up at your desk, but but making sure that there are other benefits to provide support for for your home life and taking care of, of those areas. So 
our benefits provide a lot of support for families around that and and other aspects of of our policies, our leave policies and other things that lets people work with their managers to determine a schedule that works for them and, and having that flexibility and understanding that, listen, not everybody can work eight to five or nine to five now. People have other responsibilities with their families and, and loved ones that, that they're caring for in this environment and is very much the, the aim that, um, and the expectation that every employee works with, their, works with their manager to figure out the best way to do that. And we really are going to need that flexibility to get through this if we're dealing with, the, with this for the next six or 12 or, or 18 months going forward. Yeah, those are some great comments on the health of your workforce, both mentally and physically, uh, as well as even touching upon job satisfaction. Uh, This next question is going to get into uh, customer relationship management. So how do you enable remote customer experiences with a personal touch, emphasis on the personal touch, at a time when we're all forced to maintain as much distance from each other as possible? That's a great question. And, And I can speak about it from my perspective where... I have customers here at Facebook. It's it's our, our leadership, uh, our business units, our functions around the world that my job is to make sure that they're prepared to deal with disasters and crises. And this is a challenge for me in making sure that that I'm able to still be able to to work with them and engage with them successfully. And I think the focus is just comes back to to relationships and and from my perspective, we all probably need to allocate about 20 or 25% more time to spending time just connecting with people at a human level. Uh, obviously, that is easier to do in person, and it takes extra time to do it when you're situated in front of a screen, and, and you can't just do that, that drive-by in the office and stop at somebody's desk or be able to sit down with somebody in a room and kind of look at look them in the eye and, and have a conversation and, and work through things together. I think taking that time to taking more time before meetings to ask how somebody's doing and to share your experiences and and obviously getting to getting to know them better, understanding their challenges better. That's how that's how we forge relationships and and, and that's how we get closer to people. And that's how we build trust, which in, in my line of business and, and our line of business is so important with everything that we do. So from a, a customer relationship standpoint, that's kind of the, the main way that, that I do it. And, and I've noticed that across the company here that everybody's, we all need to spend that additional time just kind of catching up with people. And it might mean putting 30 minutes on the calendar and not talking about work at all and just kind of catching up on where they are at in their in their lives and, and what's going on and how their families are doing and, and that sort of stuff. It's, it's so important. This is our last question. So the last bit of knowledge sharing for the listeners. At this point in the pandemic, things are opening up around the world. So kind of taking a global perspective here, uh, we're seeing that deferrals or cancellations in investing in growth initiatives are being lifted across some clients. What are some of the new product or service areas your company is investing in? What's Facebook investing in? So we have definitely throughout this situation, uh, one thing that Mark was really clear about was really keeping our our foot on the pedal related to our investments in new products and and innovation. 
so there's a lot that that's come out already. If it's the the launch of our messenger rooms product or some new products that are coming, utilizing augmented or virtual reality that aim to kind of bring us closer together. There's a lot happening in in those areas that are that that's exciting as we continue to think about how can we as a company bring people closer together. I mean, this is something that our that's our mission, and that's what we're here for and and aiming to do here. So there's a lot being invested in that. Uh, I can't talk about everything, but I just say you know continue to continue to watch this space. There's a there's a lot more to come. Larry, th- thanks for being so thoughtful and introspective and also transparent in your knowledge sharing and, and answering of the questions. Really appreciate you coming on Pandemic Buzz as one of our guests. Devin, my pleasure. It was great to to connect here again. And thanks so much for having me on. And, and thanks, for, uh, thanks for hosting this podcast. It's been really incredibly useful for me from an information sharing standpoint to hear your other guests and, and what they're doing. And, and I just add... This is a new situation for all of us. We've lived in this world of crisis management for a long time. And this is this is a pretty big one for us that most of us haven't dealt with something like this in our lifetime. So being able to share that knowledge is uh, is just so important to everything that we do. So really uh, big kudos and, and thanks to you for that. Appreciate it. Thanks, Larry. Thanks, Devin. Thanks again for listening to Pandemic Buzz. Please like and share this podcast with your colleagues and be sure to catch our next episode.